Come on up for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Tony Thompson. Who knows Pastor Tony? Who has had the privilege? Hallelujah. And I tell you what, I so enjoy hearing this man preach because he carries such an anointing. Tom and I have had the privilege of walking with Tony and uh, Kathy for probably 12 years. And um, he's... He has traveled with us and ministered with us all over the U.S. and has seen some incredible miracles. I would love if you would share, um, well, what happened this morning. And, but if you could also tell them about the lady with the lung. That was so beautiful. Sure. Hey, everyone. How are y'all? Good, good. Well, I just want to say welcome for uh, Glory City Atlanta. This sends our love out to every one of you guys. Amen. Speaking of Mother's Day, uh, I call her Mama, Mama Kay. It's uh, for her and Daddy Tom. They have uh, <laughs> really been responsible uh, in really launching us out into what God's called us to do in uh, their prophetic ministry. Yay. Wonderful. So, again, I just want to welcome everyone and say hello and uh, send our love from Atlanta to you. And uh, we're just really ecstatic about what God's doing. I had an opportunity to minister over at uh, Pastor Fave and New East Church this morning over in Victory in Ipswich, and uh, really wonderful. We had a wonderful time uh, sharing the word, but I had a word of knowledge right before I got ready to start ministering. The Spirit of God was moving, and uh, awesome praise and worship, by the way, and uh, really opened up. The Holy Spirit just really began to move and had a word of knowledge of someone that had a... um, a problem very painful on their left side. It was on their left side, very painful. Uh, and this gentleman come forward. It took a couple of announcements. He come forward. He's sitting in the way back. He came forward and uh, come to find out his rib had been dislocated. And I don't know if you're aware of, the, of how, that, how much pain you're in with that. It's actually worse than having a broke rib. Uh, and so I was prayed for him and... Right after I got through praying for him, the power of God hit him, and he said, oh, and he said, it went in place. I feel it went in place. The pain's gone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. But at the end of church, he stopped me at the back, and he said, I just want to take, take a moment. I know you're in a hurry, um, but I just wanted to say I'm not as far as long into things of God as my wife, and she invited me to come. And because uh, today when uh, you called me out, God touched me and healed me. And he says, I was so full of fear. I was so full of fear. But when you laid your hands on me and prayed for me, he said, all the fear turned to joy. Every bit of the fear left. And just powerful how tears, he was really touched. Big old tall fellow, taller than me, bigger, just big strapping young man and uh just really wonderful to see god move and uh 
we've seen so many miracles over the years. And uh, here recently, last year, well, I say recently, it was in um, May, year before last, we had a lady that uh, I had a, an acquaintance with all through school. And uh, she had heard of different things on through Facebook, different miracles we were seeing, different healings that were taking place. And she lived in Virginia. And uh, she came, drove all the way to Atlanta to be in one of our services to receive prayer. Now, prior to her coming, I didn't know she was coming. And uh, she approached me right at the beginning of church and said, I, I couldn't believe it. I hadn't seen her in years. And she says, I came. I need prayer. And she began to share a little bit about what was wrong with her. Number one, she had lupus. And there is no cure for lupus. The next thing was that she had lost through, uh, through a, uh, a long uh, surgical procedure. They removed a lung that had, had, was failing because of uh, cancer. And she asked me would I pray for her. And I said, sure, if you don't mind, let's just wait in, until after worship. Let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so she came in, sat near the back. I never ever figured out why people sit at the back of the church and at the front of the bus. But anyway, sit in the back, and the Spirit of God got to moving. And uh, anyway, I just felt the presence of God so strong, so I motioned for her to come. And as she came forward, I just began to prophesy over her. Uh, I, I saw her. I said, you know, I believe that God is going to do this in a supernatural way. And so I began to pray for her. I prayed for healing for lupus in Jesus' name. And once I prayed for lupus, I went to turn and go pray for someone else, and God stopped me. And he said, I want you to pray and do, I want you to do a creative miracle. Will you work with me on this? I said, Lord, if you want to do it, I'll do it. That's all there is to it. I'll, I'll say it. And so I turned around, went back to her, and I said, the Lord says he wants to give you a new loan. And she went, okay. And so she lifted up her hands. I prayed for her. And at that moment, I didn't sense any tangible anointing or anything. It didn't throw her back 60 feet. But I knew, I felt a release of something powerful. And in that moment, God began to speak to my heart and I began to prophesy to her. And I said, Here's, the Lord says he's going to do it this way. Just as you received healing, he's going to progressively bring you to a state of complete health and well-being, wholeness. And this is what it looks like. And so after that, I went and prayed for everyone else. That was in May. I received a phone call right before the holidays. It was around Christmas. And they said, we have such a wonderful thing. We're so excited. We wanted to call and tell you that she went to the doctor and she no longer has lupus. Yay, God. Yay, God. And I said, well, remember the word of the Lord. He said, he's bringing you to a state of complete health and well-being. And just as you received healing for lupus, the next thing is God's going to do a miracle, a creative miracle in your body. We were out, had the privilege of being out. Is it the prophetic conference? The at, prophetic in summit. January and yeah. summit. And it was just really awesome. We were spending time with Cheon and everyone. And while I was sitting there at a dinner table, I received a text 
And I received a text from this uh, gentleman that was real close friends with the family. And he had texted me and uh, said that they had uh, now, well, let me back up just a little bit. I got a phone call prior to uh, arriving at L.A. saying that they had called in the uh, surgeon that had removed her lung. He was located in Houston, Texas, and they had did the surgery in Virginia. Well, now, during the holidays, she went and started feeling funny, started feeling real faint, real dizzy, feeling real weird. So she went into the hospital, and they started running tests, and when they did, they said, we don't understand this. Your stats, oxygen stats, are high. Before, they were only like in the 60s, which is just sometimes to the point of almost passing out. I mean, it was very, very low. And then they said, yours is way up in the 90s, mid-90s. This is impossible with one lung. And said, so they began to run tests. And when they did, they found what they would only call at that moment a breathing mass. They would not call it a lung. They said, you having help here, it's a breathing mass. We have to call the doctor in. He's going to have to look at this. So they called the doctor in, in Houston, Texas. They flew him all the way from Houston, Texas to Savannah, Georgia. He had said, I'm not believing what I'm seeing. You need to run the test again because I did this procedure myself, and it's a very long, very difficult procedure. He says, so run the test again. So they ran the test again. It came back, and finally, when I received that text when I was out in L.A., they said he is now calling it a lung. Hallelujah. So good. Amen to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How great is our God. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, I have been in... Um, Wellington, New South Wales, just for a, a day. And um, women came from, I was doing a women's conference down there, and they came from oh, so many different places, driving hours and hours. And it was such a, a privilege uh, to be with such hungry, hungry people. And uh, a lady came up to me on the, on the Friday night. I flew down Friday. And um, she... She came up at the end of the service, and she just said, um, can, I, can I show you my ear? And she'd heard that God opened deaf ears. This lady had had a deaf ear since she was nine, and um, so for 32 years she had been completely deaf in this ear, and she showed me her ear. Um, Dylan, if you have that photograph, I will pop that up. There it is. As you can see behind her ear there, um, you can see the scarring because she'd had four different operations over the years because when she was nine, she had a terrible infection and the infection never cleared up and it started to creep into the bone and into the bones of her face and they had to remove part of the mastoid bone there and, um, and it, was a, it was a real mess. And as she was showing me this, I was thinking, I wish you weren't showing me this because I'm thinking, oh... Um, and, and th then I stopped all the thinking because the thinking doesn't help and, and just began to thank God for her healing. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for healing her. And the Lord touched her and she, um, she fell down and someone caught her, which was good. And while she was on the floor, I just bent down and I, I whispered in her ear, 
and she could hear. And in fact, she came back the next day, she can hear perfectly, absolutely clearly. So isn't that wonderful? Thank you, God. He's so wonderful. She was, she, she almost couldn't believe it. She was like, she almost, it was almost too good to be true. And she was expecting that maybe it would go away again. Um, but she came back the next day. I could still hear. She said, I could still hear. I can hear perfectly. And I uh, just so, so beautiful. Isn't God good? He is so kind. Well, Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we ask that you'd stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles here today, Lord. Father, I thank you for your power and for your presence. And Lord, we ask for more. God, that you would, Lord, so spur us on to walk in childlike faith, Papa. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is such a joy to be able to know that we can just snuggle up to God. Some people think that sounds a little bit irreverent, but it's not. You see, God created family. And what do parents do with their young children? The loving parents love to embrace them. They love, they love to show their love and their affection. And God loves that. He says, unless you humble yourself like a little child, you cannot come. And he delights it when we come with childlike faith and, and just become aware of his presence. Some people think, oh, it's such a struggle to, I want to be intimate with God. I want to be intimate with God. But if you just take time to, to become aware that he is near you, become aware of his presence, it becomes easy because you realize, I don't have to try and struggle to get through. He's here. He's here with me. And as I become aware of his presence, I begin to remember He loves me. He's for me. You're here. Oh, I love you, Daddy. And worship flows. God never expected us to worship out of a cold duty. The Father says that he is looking for worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is, he wants us to have the Holy Spirit reveal to us who he is and his love for us so that our response is spontaneous. So as we become aware of his presence, the spirit of God with us, as you become aware of it, your heart melts. And you spontaneously start to engage in worship. And it's something so powerful and it's so beautiful And God wants us to know this place of love and acceptance on a continual basis because we love because he first loved us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing that we give, everything that that we are called to manifest, which is Jesus, all the goodness of God, the, the very nature, the character, the power, the glory of God is we are anointed and called to manifest heaven. Hallelujah. But we don't have to find it in ourselves. We, we simply need to know that we can snuggle in and get it from God. I shared a few weeks ago that I had a dream. It was a strange dream, but I believe that God speaks to us in dreams. And in the dream, part of the dream was um, I had this special authorization from the doctor that I could go to the pharmacy 
and get, I had the author, authorization that, the special authorization you needed. I could get these special like antioxidant pills that I could give to anybody and they were the cure to everything. Like the cure to cancer. It was just like the most amazing, glorious things. And I had authorization just to go and get it and to give it away. And it gave me such hope. I mean, I know that, but I'd seen it afresh in my dream. And the Holy Spirit was just reminding me that as a child of God, I've been given authority to give away what doesn't come from me, but it comes from him. And I have simply got authorization to get it and give it. And it makes it so much easier when you realize it don't, you don't have to find it in yourself. But I want to speak to you today a little bit about something else that we're called to give, that we often find trouble giving, and that is forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I have over the years struggled and struggled with forgiveness. There's been times when I, I'll, I'll say, I forgive, I forgive, and then I'll think about it again. I'm like, oh, I thought I'd forgive it. I'm forgiving. I'm trying to forgive. I'm trying. And, and then I'd be frustrated and thinking, how am I supposed to forgive? I don't know how to do this. But I want to share some things with you that are going to set you free tonight. Are you ready? Hallelujah. An interesting passage, but I want to turn to Matthew chapter 18, if you would, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I think that seemed like a lot to Peter. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus was saying, not even close. There's no limit to how much I want you to be continually pouring out forgiveness. And to illustrate it, he went on and shared this parable. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he'd begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I think in today's money, I, I believe that is actually close to the equivalent of something like $200 million. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. That 100 denarii is probably equivalent to about $10,000. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he'd called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. 
Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now that's pretty heavy. But as you look at the scriptures, as you read the book, we find this is a recurring theme. This isn't just a one-off little obscure passage. God's very serious about receiving and giving away. He doesn't ask us to give anything that we haven't first received. And he, he wants us to understand that we have power to give what we've been given. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Therefore, everybody, everyone has a debt to pay for sin. That there is a payment that is, is we can't pay. We cannot pay. We are, we are deserving of eternal death. But Jesus came and he said, I'll pay it for them. He served justice for us. Hallelujah. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he stood in the place and he took the punishment. He took the judgment. He became sin. And he triumphed over death. And he now offers us cancellation of our debt. I've taken it for you. Hooray. That's a worship moment. Hallelujah. And then he asks in this little life that we have, that we would forgive our debtors. And yet sometimes it feels really hard to do that because of the sense of justice that we have. Well, Lord, if I forgive as you forgave me, that means forgiving and forgetting. And if I forget about it and, and nobody ever deals with it, like, Where's the justice? You know, I um, remember years ago, some things happened with Tom's work and he was very unfairly treated, in my opinion. And he was such, he was, he was such a good man and did so many good things. And yet circumstances came up and he was taken out of his job. And it was family company and it was, he was the CEO, his father's only son. And the way it all came about, I was so offended for him. And Tom was beautiful about it. He's just, he just forgives and he loves and he can see the good. And, and me, I was like, oh, so unjust. So unjust, it's not fair, you're a good man, that shouldn't happen, it's not fair. And I made all these judgments about why they would do that, it's because of this. We've been talking quite a bit about releasing people from our judgments. Because the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. But somehow in our human rationale, we think, well, if I hold it against them, Maybe they'll wake up and realize how terrible it was. 
And maybe somehow we irrationally think that that's going to get them to change and sort it out. But you know, unforgiveness turns bitter and it starts to warp your thinking. You know, I, it bothered me for months. I would think about it at nights. I'd be angry. I'd be thinking about it. I'd be writing speeches in my head. And then I'd think I have to bless, my, bless those that curse you. Bless them with repentance, God. Convict them deeply. And then I'd have dreams. I think I'd, I'd, I think I'd be all right. You know, I'm okay. I'm, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. I had dreams about wanting to scratch them. They're terrible. And then I'd wake up and be horrified at myself. Catherine. And I sort of realized, I think I have a problem. We had to go for a dinner with them a few years later with, um, with the people that had been involved and, you know, Christmas dinner and, and stuff, and I did not want to go. I did not want to go. I went from being this person who thought it was all okay, and we turned up at the dinner, and I did not want to speak to anybody. In fact, subconsciously, I couldn't help but think, I want them to somehow pick up that I have not forgotten. <laughs> it's actually a form of manipulation because it's us trying to manipulate them to get what we think we are owed, which is an apology. I'm sure they had no idea why I was behaving like I was behaving because Tom was so over it and loved them all and was just friendly and lovely and had nothing, absolutely nothing in his heart toward them. But me? <laughs> Second-hand offence can sometimes be worse than the, than the offence yourself. But you see, it had turned bitter and it no longer even made any sense because Tom was quite happy. As it turned out, just as he lost his job, God started to open up major doors for me in ministry and there's no way I could have done it if he wasn't able to be available to help me. God's smarter than we are. He makes all things work together for our good. Hallelujah. But as I was, was recognizing, oh, this isn't good, I'd struggle, I'd try to forgive. But the Lord began to teach me that I, if I'm trying to find it in me to give, I am always going to struggle. See, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We need to remind ourselves, reckon ourselves dead. It says in Second um, Peter chapter 1 that if you're not manifesting, and this is Catherine's version, if you're not manifesting the fruits of the Spirit, the, the virtues of God, it's because you've forgotten what you look like. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Often when we are engaging in struggle to try and forgive, we are actually forgetting that we've been cleansed from our past sins. And we're forgetting the grace that we've received and we're trying to give what we are not aware that we have received. 
It's a little bit like the healing ministry. If you're trying to get someone healed, but you're not aware of the fact that you're not, you don't have anything to give, you'd simply go and get it and give it, then you'll struggle. But the same way with, with forgiveness, as we go to him and recognize, thank you, I remember, I've been cleansed. I've been forgiven. Oh, as I remember that I've been forgiven for my sin, then I can have compassion and I can have mercy on, on, on those that have sinned against me. Amen? You know, and as we come into the judgments, as we've, we've talked about, you know, and we judge their motive. They just did that because they were jealous. They just did that because they're this or they're that. Those motives are the, the big target that we write on our heart for the enemy to come along and press at any moment to re-engage the pain. But as we give up the right to judge, as we repent and say, sorry, God, for judging them, I, f- I, I ask you to forgive me for judging them. I, I release them, the, them from my judgments. There's no longer a target for the enemy to press, and there's no longer an opportunity for the pain to keep regenerating. Hallelujah. You see, no one, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. You know, to presume that we can know people's motives is to presume that we can fix them. And nobody wants to be fixed. If you come at somebody trying to fix them, they're going to feel the judgment in your heart toward them. But if instead we simply deal with the facts and we... We go to God and we remind ourselves, thank you, I've been forgiven for my past sins. We then remember, because of what you've done, because I am in you, as I reckon myself dead and alive to Christ, now I can give the forgiveness that Christ has. Does Christ have forgiveness for them? Yes. So therefore, I have more than enough to give. Hallelujah. It applies in every area. Do I have enough faith? I don't know if I have enough faith. Who do you think you are? It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You have all the faith you need because Christ has lots of faith. First Peter chapter three, verse eight says this. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God's called you to do and he'll bless you for it. Now that retaliation thing is just very contrary to natural human thinking. We want to retaliate in some form, even in a Christian form. You know, they didn't invite me. I feel rejected. Well, I forgive them, but I'm not going to invite them. And it's a form of retaliation. And the moment we do it, we actually engage back into a level of justice. Well, that's just fair. Do you really want fair? I don't want fair because fair would be me paying the price for my sin. I prefer to live in mercy. You have a choice whether you live in the mercy realm 
or in the fair realm. And every time you want to retaliate, every time you want to hold on and remember, you have to recognize, do I really want to go there? Because what I sow, I will reap. If I, and, and he's serious. God's serious about this. Have a look at this in Matthew chapter 6. Most of you would have read this and know this, but I want you to look at it. And I found it really interesting to see what flows on from this. He says this in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can say it with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we love to pray that. And I encourage people actually to take it bit by bit. If you're struggling to pray, just pray the Lord's Prayer. Just begin. Our Father. Oh, God, thank you that you're my Father. I've been adopted. Oh, God, that I can call you Abba. It's good. Hallowed be your name. Lord, let your name be hallowed in my life today, in my thinking, in my speech, in my church, in my family. Lord, let your name be lifted up in everything I do. Let your name be hallowed in our city. Lord, let your name be made famous. Lord, I'm asking that you would turn people's thinking, people who've been blinded to your goodness. Let your name be hallowed and let your glory be seen. You can just pray into it so powerfully. Take it bit by bit. I love it. It's a wonderful thing to do. And I, I, I regularly do it as I wake up in the morning. I'll pray through that, the Lord's Prayer. Because it's so powerful, it's so beautiful, it's not religious, it's the Holy Spirit invitation. But as it finishes here in verse 14, he immediately goes on and keeps speaking. We stop at the Amen. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Amen. We'd sing it. For thine is the kingdom and the power, at church every week, and the glory forever. Amen. And we'd stop there. But as you keep reading, it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Of all the things that Jesus could pick out from that amazing prayer, He highlights forgiveness. And we often forget this. We like all the good stuff. But what? You really expect me to be like you? Yes. Born again. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You now have a responsibility. Having received this glorious grace. I'm loved, Jesus, I love you. He goes, I love you too. Now let's go love them and forgive them. Oh, really? And he loves us so profoundly. 
And he helps us and he understands our weakness. All that time when I was holding this against those people, he didn't stop loving me. He didn't stop fellowshipping with me. But he knew it was eating me up on the inside. And it was occupying space in my life that was meant to be filled with peace. It's unhealthy. The Holy Spirit has created you as this beautiful new creation to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Our lives are meant to be filled with joy and peace and righteousness all the time. It's normal for you to be happy. Even if things are difficult, it's normal for you to be joyful and peaceful. It's normal for your conversation and to be filled with holiness and purity. I love, I love what God's done in our culture. Now, I get with our team and the, the leaders, and there's no coarse joking. There's no, it's just, it's pure. It's lovely. And that's the way it's meant to be. We're meant to live righteous. It's not religious and dogmatic. It's simply, I'm forgiven. I'm a new creation. Help me remember who I am. Thank you, Lord, now that I am filled with you. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Thank you, Father. I remember who I am. James chapter 1 says, If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because you're like a man that looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what you look like. He's wanting to remind you, remember what you look like? I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm forgiven. I'm made whole. I'm clean. I'm righteous. The just live by faith. You've actually got to believe it. Not by feelings. It's not about how you feel. I don't feel very righteous. Well, what do you believe? Matthew chapter 11, just in case you think it might just be, maybe it's just those two passages. Verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And then he hammers it home. He says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's not very loving. Yes, it is. It's a choice. If you are actually going to receive forgiveness and mercy, he gives you a gift that you are now able to give freely away. Everything we receive, righteousness, peace, joy, forgiveness, love, power, we now have the capacity to give away. And the choice that we enter into when we get born again is we get to live like him. We get to manifest him in forgiveness. Now, some people take this and they, they, they take it beyond what I believe the scripture says. People are always looking, well, you didn't get healed because you haven't forgiven. Well, I, I don't see that in scripture. I don't see Jesus ever looking at someone and saying, hmm, well... I tried to heal you, but, you know, actually you still got unforgiveness, so you didn't get healed. It's not there. 
I don't read it. And actually, I believe we're called to make our doctrine built on Jesus. And I don't see that in Jesus' ministry. And we'll celebrate that. Hooray! Um, But I also see in Jesus' ministry that he did say we need to forgive. We need to release people from their debts. And sometimes I, I find it easier to look at it as a debt. You know, as we, as we use those words, forgive our debtors. We often look at people and I, I recognize when I'm feeling like they owe me something. They owe me an apology. Or perhaps I, you know, I feel like they should be behaving this way. The moment there's a should in my vocabulary, I'm recognizing I consider them to owe me a debt. Therefore, I have the capacity, because of Christ, to forgive that debt. And I can get excited about it. I used to think, well, my mother should want to babysit my children. Because I thought, well, that's what grandmothers should do. My mum was just not really a sort of baby person. And she didn't really want to do it very much at all. And I'd be like, I'd be judging her, you are not a good grandmother. And I'd be like, you should. You should be like this. Because I'd be seeing Tom's mum, who loved to have babies. And I'm like, you should be like that. And, and you should be inviting us over for dinner sometimes, you know. And you should, you should, you should, you should, you should. And all of those you shoulds, are debts that I thought she owed me. I was not right, but still I considered them to be a debt. Every time you have a, they should, even if it's a person in the shop, who should be treating me with respect. Pastor Gatlin should say hello to me. (laughs) She should spend more time with me. It's an opportunity for you to forgive a debt. Any person that you have a should about in your thinking, they should. My husband should. Well, my wife should. Can you think of anybody that perhaps might be a debtor in your mind? There's an opportunity there for you to be able to release them from your judgments, to ask forgiveness from God about your judgments about them, and to extend to them forgiveness for that debt. It's an opportunity for you to manifest a miracle, which is supernatural power of forgiveness. You've been given a gift, just like I can go to the chemist. And get, like in my dream, I can go and I can get and receive healing power because I've been given authority to give it away. I have been given the same supernatural power to go and get forgiveness and give it. And give it. And give it. Up to seven times, Lord. Seventy times seven. Over and over again. And you know what? You don't have to be worried that when you're doing that, that, well, who's going to deal with it? God, 
Who's going to make them sort themselves out? You know, there are things that you can deal with. You can deal with actions. But when it comes to trying to manipulate people with your judgments, you are never going to succeed. Now, if, if you've got a child that's doing the wrong thing, clearly the Bible says that, you know, there is to be discipline. But we're not to try and, and change everybody by holding our unforgiveness toward them, hoping that they'll recognize something's wrong and fix themselves. It's a plank in our own eyes and they will always react when you come and try and mess in theirs, taking out the splinter. If you've got a plank of judgment in your eye towards somebody else, you're going to blind them. They're going to become blinded to your heart desire to have connection. They're not going to be able to see what you want them to see because all they'll be doing is responding to your judgment with defense. And the walls will get higher and higher. And the pain will continue and continue. But if instead we'll forgive the judgments, we'll release the forgiveness, and we'll humble ourselves, and we'll trust God to work it out. Do you believe that if you forgive your debtor, that God is well able to do whatever needs to be done? Most of the time, our unforgiveness is a lack of faith in the Father to take things in his hands. We can trust him, and he is much kinder than we are. And he is much more wise and wonderful. And I tell you, the outcome he has planned is much more glorious than you could even imagine. Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to help us really live in a place of divine peace, of supernatural freedom. What does it feel like to actually be able to live every day without having to have all your manipulative strings going, trying to change everybody? I don't know if anything, any of you have ever done that, but, you know, it happens sometimes. You know, just the way you talk to people. Yes, how are you? You got your icy Christian on. <laughs> you need to let them go. Forgive your debtors. Begin to see them as God sees them. Begin to love those that despitefully use you. And trust that as you obey God, obedience brings blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, we say thank you. You are so good. And I know, Lord, that you delight in showing mercy. You delight in forgiving us our trespasses. And so, Father, we thank you that we have power now to forgive our debtors. Lord, help us to walk continually with your delight, your joy, your faith, supernatural peace, supernatural joy, Jesus, I ask. That we would be a people that are transformed in our thinking. Lord, I ask that you'd give us such a love for your word that we would so delight to follow your ways. Lord, we ask that you would teach us your ways, show us your paths, guide us in the way everlasting. For your ways are wonderful and all your ways are just. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just want to give you an opportunity.
If you're here today and you know in your heart you haven't surrendered to the Lord. You know, the, the Bible says that even the devil believes in Jesus. It's one thing to believe he exists, but it's another thing to actually willingly come and say, Lord, I want to exchange my sin. I want to exchange my life. I want to leave behind my old life and I want to be born again. I want to be a new creation in Christ. And it comes with us actually boldly making a choice to say, Lord, I want to be born again. I want to be made new. I want to respond to your mercy. And I want to be made clean. You're here tonight and you know in your heart you're not right with God. And you say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to respond to his mercy. I want to be saved. Would you wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you before we go any further. Is anyone here? Yes, I see your hand. It's beautiful. Is anybody else that says, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender to his mercy. Is anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to be forgiven. I want to come into a new life with Christ. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Anybody else here? Thank you, Jesus. If you'll pray with me up the back and anyone else who who wants to respond to that and anyone watching on our live stream, we want to pray for you right now. Would you all pray this after me? Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be punished in my place, to pay for all of my sins so that I could be in relationship with you. Lord, I bring you my past. I bring you my sin. And I exchange it for your forgiveness. I exchange my life and receive yours. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me to know your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. I I ask for each one that's just prayed that prayer, Lord, that you would so seal them with your blood. Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that you'd give them an awareness of your great love for them, that you are so for them. Papa, help them, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would bless them indeed. Lord, that you'd protect them, that you who've begun this good work would carry it through to completion. Lord, that you would help them, teach them, help them get knitted in to the family of God. Lord, that they might grow. Lord, help them, protect them, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.